Good morning, guys. Welcome again to TBA. I'm Brian Legg. I'm part of our lead pastor team. I'm so glad you could be here this morning with us. We are continuing in our Celebrate Recovery series this morning, and we are in week six of eight that we've been walking through. So we're getting close to the end. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems like as we've walked through this series that each week God just kind of peels back yet another layer of my heart that he's asking me to surrender to him or to deal with. And it hasn't always been real easy week after week, but it's been good. And I hope you've had a very similar experience. So we're just going to dive right in this morning. We're exploring the sixth step of Celebrate Recovery. And if you're keeping up with the acrostic following along, this is the last E in the word recovery. It stands for evaluate. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me, and make amends for harm that I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. So there's a little kind of a caveat in this one this week that we're going to deal with, and we'll walk through that in a minute. But this step of recovery is all about relationships, repairing relationships, making relationships right. And in reality, we could probably simplify it down to one single word. Today is all about forgiveness. And we're going to be looking at this concept of forgiveness and how that applies to our lives. And in fact, over the next few moments, we're going to explore the two different sides of forgiveness and what that looks like to us, what it means when we need to forgive the people who have hurt us, but also what it means to seek forgiveness for hurt that we've caused in others. But before we jump into all those details, I want to give a little bit of context for today. And, and you might say this is kind of like the, the umbrella or the covering of today of what we're going to talk about. And I think these are things that we need to grasp before we dig into some of the practical stuff. The first thing is we need to understand that this issue of forgiveness is at the root of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we've been talking about through this series. Stavi said this a few weeks ago. Maybe you caught it. He said we're good at trying to fix the fruits of our issues, but we often are not so good at looking at the root of our struggles. Think about that just for just a moment. You can't have good fruit unless you have a good root. Plants don't grow correctly when the root is not healthy, right? When the root's having issues... Things do not grow. We can correct our circumstances. We can even, can even put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. But that doesn't fix it or heal it. Sometimes we've got to dig a little deeper and we've got to work on getting healing from the inside out of correcting the problem from the ground up, from the root, in order to bring good, true healing. I was bouncing some ideas this past week with Stephen. He made this statement and grabbed my attention. I wanted to share with you this morning. He says, until you let your past die, your hurts and those who've hurt you, It will not let your future live. Unforgiveness does not let you live. Think about that for a second. Until you let your past die, it will not let your future live. That's a powerful and true statement. When there's unforgiveness in our lives, whether it's in us extending forgiveness or in seeking it, we're stuck in that place. We might keep going through the motions. We might even think we're living, but the truth is we're not growing. And if we're not growing... We're dying. Our root is unhealthy, and when the root's unhealthy, the plant does not grow like it was created to grow. Another thing I think we have to understand big picture is that this idea of forgiveness, it's not a checkbox kind of item. I'm really good at doing checkbox things. I like tasks. I like, like to be able to mark things off, but this is not one of those issues. In fact, probably we could argue that almost everything we talk about is not a checkbox issue in reality. You know, Jesus was always going after the heart. What's the condition of the heart? Where are you? Are you healthy? But this one in particular, more than any others, is a heart issue. Unforgiveness will literally destroy you if it goes unaddressed. And as we walk through today, I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do, some practical steps you can take, and and things that will help you on the journey. But I want you to understand 
that this is, this is not one of those prescriptive one, two, three, do this and you're going to get better kinds of issues. This is one of those dig deep, deal with the actual wound that's there, work it from the ground up, from the root, and make sure that it's healthy kinds of issues. It's one of those where we may peel back some layers that you don't want to peel back, some things that you don't want to see. So I realize that at this point, probably I've inspired all of you to want to go get your kids out of kids' ministry and go to lunch early. But I'm just going to ask you to hang with me for a little bit. Because I think the truth is this is something that we all need to hear today. This one issue, this idea of unforgiveness, I think is to blame for our struggles with shame, with guilt, with isolation, with anger, with hurt. The list just goes on and on and on. It's basically all the things, all the motivations underneath the surface that cause those hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we've been talking about. Now, this may not be the only root issue, but I would argue that probably 90% of our struggles, if we dig deep enough, would come back to this one thing. Broken relationships and unforgiveness. And there's not one of us in this room that's not currently affected or hasn't somehow experienced the effects of that in our life, of the struggle. So while it may not be our easiest day, I would just ask you to walk through it together with me and let's see what God wants to do in it. So getting into some of the details, the first thing that I think we have to ask when we approach this idea of forgiveness is this. Why do we need to forgive? Why do we even talk about this? Why do we need to get into it? This could be a pretty complex kind of question, but I want to give you just two really simple concepts today for the sake of time. The first is this. We need to forgive because God has forgiven us and because he's commanded us to extend forgiveness to others. We need to forgive because God has forgiven us and because he's commanded us to extend forgiveness to others. This sixth step in Celebrate Recovery is based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of other evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Think about it for just a moment. God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die on the cross for you and I. He gave up his life to pay the penalty for our sin. Here's Jesus, who was the only man to walk the earth perfect, sinless, 100% doing the right thing, never did anything wrong. And yet he took on the penalty of all the things that we've done wrong and gave his own life to pay that penalty so that we could experience forgiveness. That's an amazing picture of grace. And if you step back and you think about how much grace has been poured out in our lives, how could we not extend forgiveness to others around us? How could we not be reflectors of that grace at the same time? There's a parable that Jesus tells in in Matthew 18, and and um, it addresses this idea of forgiveness. And I would encourage you to read the whole thing at some point. It's in Matthew chapter 18, starts in verse 21, runs through the end of the chapter in verse 35. But I'm going to try to give you just the cliff notes today because I want to kind of get through it. I've got a lot that I want to say. So here's the basic story. There's a king whose servant owes him a huge amount of money. And to put it in today's terms, I'm going to call it $10 million. I don't know if that's the exact correlation, but it's pretty close. He owes him a huge debt. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I owe somebody $10 million... I'm done. There's no way I'm paying that back. You know, I, I'm not going to make enough in 10 lifetimes to pay that back. There's just no way. And so the servant feels the same kind of thing, and, and the king calls him and says, you need to repay your debt. 
And the servant goes in before the king and he begs for mercy and he says, please just give me time. I'll pay back every dime of it. I'm going to work twice as hard. Just give me an opportunity. Instead of the king laying out a payment plan or giving him a timeline, the king just simply forgives the debt. Don't worry about it. It's forgiven. $10 million. The debt didn't go away. The king absorbed it. The king made the choice to say, you're no longer responsible for that amount of money that you owe me. And he forgave a $10 million debt. Now that same servant turns around and goes to another servant in the kingdom, basically a co-worker of his, and he says, hey, you owe me $10,000. You need to pay up. And in fact, Scripture tells us that he went and put his hand around the other servant's throat, and he demanded repayment of the ten, basically $10,000 this other guy owes him. The other guy does the same thing. He begs for mercy. says, you'll just give me time. I'll work hard. I'll repay it. I'll make sure you get your money back. But this servant, instead of showing grace like he's been shown, has the other servant thrown into prison until the debt can be repaid. Some of the other servants standing around see this encounter. They see what happens. They go back to the king. They tell him, and you can imagine the king is outraged. How dare you? I just forgave $10 million that you owed me, and you can't extend a little grace to your fellow servant that owes you 10000 He calls the servant back in, and he says, you wicked and evil servant. And he throws him into prison to be tortured until that debt can be repaid. The debt that he had already forgiven, now he says, you owe the debt. And you're going to be in prison and be tortured until it's paid. The story ends in verse 35 with this statement from Jesus. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now this parable is very clearly about you and I. The king in the parable is God, and you and I are the servant who owes millions. And God is reminding us of how much we have been forgiven and the fact that we have a responsibility to forgive others as well. And we see this concept shared a lot of different places. If you look back in the Lord's Prayer just a few chapters earlier in Matthew, and it probably wasn't until about a month ago that I even caught this or, or came across this, but have you thought about the word you say when you say the Lord's Prayer? Probably a lot of you learned it as a kid, and you can recite it. And you know, If I said, let's say the Lord's Prayer, we'd all do it together, right? But have you thought about what you're saying? Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says this, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Look at the tense of the verb in that verse. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Basically, forgive us for our sins by the same measure with which we forgive others. Let me just ask the question. If God chooses to forgive you based on the way that you practice forgiveness of others, how's that going to work out for you? Think about that a second. If God chooses to forgive you based on the way that you practice forgiveness of others, how will that work out for you? Are you ready to stand before God and give an account of how you've extended forgiveness to those who've hurt you? Just two verses later, right after the Lord's Prayer, kind of a follow-up to it, Jesus says this, verses 14 and 15, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's a blunt statement. God clearly expects us to forgive, to extend forgiveness. It's a big deal. 
Maybe you can remind me of something that I'm not thinking about, but as I sit down and try to think about all the things Jesus taught and, and the things the Scripture teaches us, I can't think of another concept that speaks this bluntly and this harshly towards the expectation that is put on us. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you refuse, your Father will not forgive your sins. In order for us to walk in God's grace, we must be reflectors of that grace. We must forgive others when they hurt us. Now, I think the second reason I would give for why we need to forgive is probably a little bit more practical. The second reason is that when we don't forgive, we encounter resentment. Plain and simple. We encounter resentment, and resentment will literally eat us alive. From Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Surely resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. When we have unforgiveness, the hurt, the anger, and the resentment that result will cause us to do stupid things. How many of you remember the show The Three Stooges or the movies that have been out and different things? You've seen them probably, right? I can't remember which one, you know, Larry, Moe, Curly, I don't know who was doing what, but I remember one episode in particular where, you know, the Stooges were always hitting each other, smacking one of them in the back of the head or smacking them in the chest or there was something going on, right? And so one of them just kept over and over and over smacking the other guy in the chest. And he went, I'm tired of this. I'm going to get him back. And so he took a stick of dynamite and he strapped it to his chest. The next time he hits me, his hand's going to blow up. Think about that a second. You might need to explain it to your neighbor if they didn't get it. See, resentment, unforgiveness, it hurts us much worse than it hurts the person who did the hurting in the first place. When we choose not to forgive, we're miserable. And the person that we're so upset with, often they're not even hurt at all. In fact, they've likely forgotten or didn't even know that they hurt us to start with. I've heard it said over and over that unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And we just sit there drinking the rat poison and deteriorating from the inside out while the rat runs around and laughs at us. A few years back, there was a book written by a guy named Dr. S.I. McMillan, and it suggested that the two greatest causes of physical illness in our lives are guilt and resentment. You know, I don't think we ever stop to think about the emotional impact of things, how things that we wrestle through, those internal struggles, can affect our physical health. It's a big deal. So how do we extend forgiveness? I think we agree probably that we need to. I think that's something we can be on common ground with, but how do we actually do it? I want to give you three practical steps that I think will help. And the first is this. The first thing is we have to reveal our hurt. Basically, admit it. Reveal the hurt. Be honest with yourself and others about it because there's too many times that we try to protect ourselves by pretending that we weren't hurt. That didn't really bother me. I mean, that wasn't a big deal. I'm probably the world's worst at this because admitting hurt is basically the same as admitting weakness in most of our minds, isn't it? And none of us want to admit that. We don't want to admit that we're weak. We don't want to admit that we've been hurt or that we can be hurt. But the truth is, we can all be hurt. In fact, the truth is we all are hurt. We have been hurt, and usually on some sort of regular basis. That's just the nature of people. It's the nature of relationships. It's even sometimes the nature of love. Love hurts sometimes. When we're in love with somebody, there's going to be pain. It's not intentional, but it happens. And we have to admit when we get hurt before we can do anything about it. I hear people say all the time that they need closure on some kind of past hurt. 
You know, they need to, to deal with some kind of broken relationship or a betrayal or an unkind word that's been spoken to them. Whatever it is, the reality is you will never experience closure until there's some kind of disclosure. We've got to bring it out to the forefront. We've got to address it in a healthy way, get it out in the open, and that starts by taking time to do a personal inventory, kind of a a heart search of what are the things that have hurt me? Who are the people who have hurt me? What are the hurts that are real in my life? And this is not one of those sit and think about it kind of exercises. This is something where we need to get it in black and white, put it on paper in front of us where we make it real. We can't walk away from it anymore because we're really good at playing tricks on ourselves and we'll ponder it for a little bit and go, that hurt. Well, you know, it really wasn't that big a deal. I I probably shouldn't be focused on that. But when you write it down and you've got it in black and white in front of you, you can't walk away from that. This hurt. It doesn't matter if it was intentional or not. It bothered me. It's something I've got to do something about. The second step that we have to take is that we have to release the offender. And this is where it's going to get difficult. We've got to release the offender. This is the process of forgiveness. And I want to clarify some things about this. First, I want to clarify this. Forgiveness is actually more about you than it is about the person you're forgiving. We don't see that real often, but we need to understand that. Forgiveness is more about you than it is about the person who's hurt you. You forgive whether they ask for forgiveness or not. Because this is about releasing your hurt and releasing the burden that you carry to God so that you can begin to heal and truly live. Another thing I think we need to understand is that extending forgiveness does not right the wrong. Never does it right the wrong. It doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make us forget about it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. None of that stuff. It also doesn't mean that there won't be consequences for that hurt, either for the person who hurt us or even for us experiencing the hurt. There's always consequences. All it means is this, we are giving up the right to hold that offense against the person and we're choosing to trust God for any necessary justice. And that means in his timing and his way. And that's where it gets hard. The last thing I'll say for context here is that forgiveness is a process. That story that I read to you, or told you, the parable I told you a while ago, in Matthew 18, verse 21, you see an encounter that's happening between Peter and Jesus. And Peter goes to Jesus and he goes, how many times do I need to forgive a brother who wrongs me? And he asks, you know, do I need to forgive him seven times? Thinking, well, that's, I mean, that's a lot, seven times. And I'm sure you've all heard this story. Jesus responds, no, 70 times seven. But we can do the math in our head, okay, 490 times, man, that's a lot. But it's really not about 490 times. Jesus is painting a picture here that forgiveness is a process. And it's ongoing, and it means we have to forgive over and over and over and over. And when we make the choice to extend forgiveness, there's going to be times where even minute by minute we have to forgive again and again and again to be reminded of the decision we're making and how we're releasing that to God. Those hurts don't just go away. We don't just forget. We've got to keep making the choice to forgive, and to release that person to God. So how do we release somebody? How do we actually extend forgiveness? The first thing is this. When it's possible or appropriate, you need to go to the person and extend forgiveness. Do it in person. Have a conversation with them. They may not even be aware that they hurt you. So remember that. When you go and you share that hurt, share it in love and express to them that you've already forgiven them. And I want you to remember this. It doesn't mean that the relationship is restored in those moments because reconciliation or restoration requires two people coming to the table and dealing with some things. 
Your responsibility is to extend forgiveness. That's your part, and you've got to do that. The other thing I want to say here is remember that forgiveness does not equal trust. There are going to be a lot of things where someone's hurt you, and you need to go back and extend forgiveness to that person, but that doesn't mean there shouldn't be some healthy boundaries in the relationship. Forgiveness is given freely. Trust is earned. And a lot of times when we extend forgiveness, we still need to have healthy boundaries to protect from being hurt again. And you need to walk a journey with that person. But what about the times where it's not even appropriate to go to somebody? What about the times that we can't even possibly go to them? What do we do then? You know, maybe the person's in a completely different place in life. We're going to them is going to cause more damage than it's going to, to do by leaving it alone. Or maybe the person's moved away and you don't even know how to get a hold of them or how to find them or what to do. Maybe the person's even passed away. Sometimes our hurts have happened years ago and someone's died since then and we we have no ability to go back to them. What do we do in those moments? Well, I think there's three really good techniques that we can use here and I want to walk you through them quickly. The first is write a letter that you never send. Put all the details of what you're feeling into that letter. Share with them the hurt they've caused. Share the harm that it's done in your life. Share the struggles that you've gone through. And then take time as you write that letter to extend forgiveness to that person. And when you're done writing the letter, you have a couple options. One, either seal it up and kind of store it away somewhere in a safe place where every time you think about that and you're struggling with it again, you can go back and you can open that letter and you can read it and you can be reminded of the choice you've made. The other option is take the letter and burn it. Get rid of it. Just symbolically say, I'm leaving this in the past. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm done with it. But put it in a letter because... Just thinking about it, as I told you a while ago, is not enough. We need something physical that helps us to find that release in the process. The second thing, the second technique is called the empty chair technique. And a lot of Christian counselors use this. A lot of counselors in general use this. Maybe you've come across it. Here's what I would say about the empty chair technique. If you're going to do this, find a place where nobody's around. Nobody's going to walk in on you. Otherwise, you're going to feel really stupid. I'm, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe you wouldn't, but I would. Because the empty chair technique, you just set an empty chair in front of you, you picture the person that you need to extend forgiveness to sitting in the chair, and you have a conversation with them. And you need to talk out loud. You need to be able to say the things that have hurt you. Tell them every way that they've hurt you, everything that's gone on, everything that's happened in your life, and then take that opportunity to physically say, I forgive you. They're not sitting there. They're not really hearing this, but it's your way of picturing how you're giving forgiveness. And it will help you to be able to just say that out loud, to take that physical stance to do those things. Now, again, if you're talking to an empty chair and somebody walks in, it's going to be a little awkward. So make sure you do this at an appropriate place and time. But you would be amazed how saying it out loud will make a difference in the impact it has on you. And the third option that I would throw out there is called a stand-in. And with a stand-in, basically you're asking someone to physically stand in for the person that you need to extend forgiveness to. You need to find a close and a trusted friend with high emphasis on the trusted part. Ask them to stand in for the person that hurts you so that you can say what you need to say to a physical person. Don't hold back. This needs to be a person who is mature enough to understand that you're not talking to them, you're talking to somebody else. They need to be spiritually mature enough to be able to handle the things that you're going to say and to wrestle through that and to be able to pray with you and walk in that journey. And they need to be somebody who can keep it in confidence because this is not for everybody else. This is just for you. 
And, and I'll just, I'll tell you, I've had the opportunity to do this a couple of times, to be that stand-in for somebody and, and to walk through that experience. One time in particular, a few years back, one of my best friends needed this kind of moment, and he came and, and just shared some things with me, he had me stand in for a family member of his that had caused a lot of hurt when he was a child. I can't even begin to tell you how powerful that experience was, not just for him, but for me too, because he was able to release those things and get healing that he had not experienced before. And for me, it was an opportunity just to walk with him, for our relationship to grow, for us to come closer, to be able to know what was going on in him and and some of the hurts that were there that caused him to make decisions that he made and see how God was healing that. It was a powerful, powerful moment. Make sure you find somebody that's trustworthy and can hold it in confidence. But this is another opportunity to release that. Whichever of these ways you might choose is okay. The important thing is that we choose to extend forgiveness. We release the offender. And then the third part of extending forgiveness is that we need to replace our hurt with God's peace. We need to replace our hurt with God's peace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the first half of the verse says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. How do we walk in peace when we've been hurt deeply? It goes back to what I just said a moment ago. We have to choose to trust God for appropriate justice. See, we tend to look at things and say, if I forgive them, they get away with it. They get all free and clear without any kind of consequence. That's not true. They don't. But it's not our place to settle the score. It's God's place. He is the perfect judge. He is the righteous one. He is the one who will determine what consequences need to be in place and how to help somebody through that and how to bring healing both to us and to them. But we have to trust him with it. We've got to trust him and release our hurt to him in order to walk in his peace. See, unforgiveness is really a form of unbelief. Think about that for a moment. Unforgiveness is a form of unbelief. Unforgiveness says, I don't believe that God will take care of my hurt if I give it to him. But the flip side of that is that faith says, I won't carry this weight anymore. I'll release my hurt to God and I'm going to trust him to be a righteous judge because that's what allows me to walk in God's peace. I'll let go of it. It's his now, not mine. Now, I know I've spent a lot of time already on how we extend forgiveness, and that's important. In fact, I would go as far as to say unforgiveness is basically a cancer that eats us from the inside out, and we've got to cut it out completely of our lives. But I also don't want to skip over the second part of this step, that we must also seek forgiveness for the hurt that we've caused. And we need to ask the question, how do we do this? See, it doesn't matter whether we're the one that's been hurt or the one that's done the hurting The damage to our soul is exactly the same. We can't truly live until we put this issue to death. I think a lot of the same principles that I just shared about how we extend forgiveness apply to how we seek forgiveness as well. In fact, the first is almost exactly the same. We need to start by making a list of those that we've hurt, those that we've offended. We need to put it in black and white, write it down, make sure it's in front of us, make it real. And maybe you're sitting there this morning going, well, I don't really know of anybody I've hurt. I mean, I can think of all these people that have hurt me, but I don't think I've really hurt anybody. So let me ask you some thought-provoking questions. Who have you spoken to harshly in your family? Who have you borrowed money from and maybe have not yet repaid the debt? 
Who have you been a little too controlling over, maybe too possessive of? Spouse, kids, sibling, an employee, co-worker, a friend? Who do you tend to be hypercritical of and forget to extend the benefit of the doubt? Have you been verbally abusive to anyone? Or maybe physically abusive or emotionally abusive? Is there someone in your life that you failed to appreciate or you've neglected? Have you lied to anyone? Have you been unfaithful in your relationship with someone? Do I need to keep going? See, I think all of us can probably suddenly think of someone that maybe we've hurt. Might not have been intentional. And we might look at it and go, well, it really wasn't that big a deal. It was just this little thing. Well, we might look at it and go, man, that was huge. I've really messed up. That was catastrophic. Either way, we've caused hurt. Either way, that's one of those things in the root that's messing with us, and we're never going to have good fruit until we deal with the root. We've got to go back and look at those struggles, look at those issues. We've got to make amends and seek forgiveness to make things right. And see, just like the process of extending forgiveness, there's going to be times that it may not be appropriate to seek forgiveness in a situation. There are going to be situations where you don't need to go back to that person. It's not healthy. In fact, it may cause more harm to go back to the person and ask for forgiveness than it would just to leave the issue alone. And if you're not sure when you're in a moment like that, I would encourage you, seek some Christian counseling. Go to a counselor and talk to them about it. Or, or sit down with somebody who's a trusted friend that you know is a mature believer and can give you wise counsel that you can process with a little bit and they can kind of walk you through it. If your gut's telling you maybe this is not the right thing to do, listen to that. Because a lot of times that's how the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Now, I will say on that, don't let that be an excuse for not doing the right thing. Because some of us are really good at letting the enemy talk to us that way. And we go, oh, I've got this gut feeling that I shouldn't do it. When really you know I do need to do this, I just don't want to. Trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. Seek wise counsel. Let people speak into it and help you on the journey. But make sure that as you go to someone to seek forgiveness, that what you're doing will bring healing and not harm to the person. After you've made that list, after you've written those, those people down that you need to go to and extend forgiveness, the second step is basically this. Observe the golden rule. How would you want somebody to seek forgiveness from you? If someone was coming to ask your forgiveness, what would you want them to say? How would you want them to go about it? Think about these couple of things. Make sure your timing is good. This is not one of those, hey, by the way, as they're running out the door kinds of conversations. This is not one of the, it's time to roll over and go to sleep at night. Let me talk to my spouse about all the things I've done wrong. They don't appreciate it. Trust me, ask Sherry. I do this all the time. She's ready to go to sleep and I'm ready to talk. That's not the best timing. Think about it. Think about your heart and your motivations behind it. Make sure you have the right attitude. Is this a heartfelt and sincere apology? Can you truly go to the person and apologize for what you've done to wrong them? And this is not a conversation where you're going, well, I know I did this wrong, but you did this. This is not about their part in it. This is about your part in it. Our kids are really good at that, aren't they? The truth is, so are we. 
We get on to our kids all the time for it because we recognize it so easily because we do it all the time. We're good at going to somebody and going, I know I hurt you and I'm so sorry, but, but you did this other thing. That's what made me do it. Bull. Take responsibility. Go back. Ask for forgiveness for what you've done. Take responsibility for your part. Do it with the right heart. And you know, there's going to be times that the reality is you can't make amends for what you've done. There's nothing you can do to make it right. The hurt that you've caused, you can't fix. But in those moments, you'd be shocked at what a sincere apology will do for that person to mean for them. Go to them and give that apology and allow God to work on the rest of it of bringing healing to that person. The last thing I would say about seeking forgiveness is this. We need to commit to living differently as we walk forward. This is the picture of recovery in its greatest form. Commit to living differently as you walk forward. You're, li- you're committing to living differently because you've learned from your past and you're allowing God to shape your future. Focus your life on God and his plan for you. Spend time in his word every single day. I feel like we say this every week from stage. Spend time daily with God to allow him to speak to your heart, to allow him to show you things about your life, to allow him to peel back some of those layers and deal with some things, to allow him to give you guidance in your relationships and how you should address things. We've got to spend time with God for him to speak into our hearts and help us to walk that journey again. And even doing that, it doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up again. It doesn't mean that we won't still hurt people or that others won't still hurt us. Those things are going to happen. But now you know how big of a deal it is. Don't let it fester. Do something about it. Band, you guys come on up. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. I'm going to ask you to take a step towards forgiveness. As the band plays this morning, I'm going to ask you to take the little index card that's in your bulletin and take that out. And I want you to start by making a list that I've been talking about. Think about the people who have hurt you. Think about the people that you know you've hurt that you need to go to and seek forgiveness. And I would like you to start writing down those names. Maybe make a couple columns and work through it and start putting those names on your paper. And once you've come up with those names, and we'll give you time as they play, you don't have to sing the first song if you don't want to. Just, just sit there and think about this and put the names down. Once you've done that, I want you to put that card in a safe place. Stick it in your pocket, stick it in your purse, put it in your Bible, wherever you've got to put it so that you know that you take it home with you. Because today's really just the beginning. You're beginning to make that list. And over the next several hours today, over the next several days, over the next several weeks, maybe even months, God's going to keep bringing things to you. And he's going to reveal some of those things. And there's going to be people that come to mind. And I want you to keep adding to that list. Keep putting those things down. Keep walking this journey of extending forgiveness and seeking forgiveness. But here's the other thing I want to ask you to do this morning. If you're willing... I want to ask you also, after you've put that card in a safe place, to respond this morning by coming up front. And you'll see there's all kinds of index cards laid out across the stage as well. And there's pens here where you can write. And I want you to take at least one of those names that you've put on your card that you're taking home and write it down on this card here. Take a moment and pray over it. Ask God to give you the courage to do what you need to do, either to extend forgiveness or to go and seek forgiveness. And then I want you to take that card and take it to either side of the stage, and there's a basket on a table right underneath the pretty acrylic crosses that we have there on the wall. And I want you just to lay that card face down in that basket, symbolically laying that person at the foot of the cross. 
and saying, I'm trusting God with this. Whether it's you extending forgiveness or you seeking forgiveness, it's a commitment to say, God, I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to trust you with it. And it's important. I want you to lay the card face down because this is between you and God nobody else. Nobody else needs to see the name on your card. If you write your spouse on the card, that's okay. They don't need to see it. They'll know when you talk to them. Put the name on the card. Put it in the basket. You might need to put your own name on the card. Maybe you've never forgiven yourself for something that you've done or for a hurt that you've caused in someone. Maybe you don't know how to accept God's forgiveness in your life and to be okay with that. You can put 100 names if you want, but put at least one and commit that to Christ. The band's going to play. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to invite you to, to write on your card, to take that with you, and then to come and get one of these cards and place them in the basket. I'm smart enough to know that forgiveness doesn't just happen magically. And writing a name on a card and putting it in a basket, that doesn't fix things. It doesn't make it all better. It doesn't make pain go away. It doesn't make the hurt go away. But what I'm asking you to do today is to commit to start a journey of forgiveness. Let God work in your heart. Let him reveal some things to you. And commit to walking that journey and that process with him. Let's take a moment and pray. And then you respond as God leads. God, thank you for how you have used this series over the last several weeks to just peel away the layers of our heart. Thank you for how you've been speaking to us and how you've been showing us things that, that you want to heal in us. And God, that's the reality of what this morning is about. It's about you wanting to heal our hearts. It's not even so much about the right or wrong or, or, or the, the justice of any situation or all the things that we get caught up in, God. It's about being healthy, being whole, being able to stand before you and accept your grace in our lives and walk in that grace. So God, this morning I pray for your healing. I pray that our hearts would be open and ready to accept that healing that you want to offer to us. God, I pray that we would be courageous enough to take a difficult step this morning. To be able to commit that we're going to go to someone and extend forgiveness. Or we're going to go to someone and seek forgiveness. Those are not easy conversations. They're not things that we like to do. They, they mess with our pride. Thank you for messing with our pride, God. Help us to humbly surrender these things to you. And to lay them at the foot of the cross. Symbolically committing them to you. Speak boldly to our hearts now. It's in your name we pray.